Welcome to the Acts Church Leander podcast. You can join us on Facebook or in person every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Amen, amen. Thanks, Heath. Appreciate it. All right. Well, good morning. Again, my name is Grant. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to, to be with you here at X. And um, it's Father's Day. It's, it's uh, just a beautiful summer day. It's going to be like 105. It's awesome, right? Um, but we're on this red leather, red, not red leather, that's a red letter challenge, right? And uh, this is our second week. Last week was all about being, right? And Pastor Josh talked about how being is better than doing at times, right? And we're human, um, human beings, not human doings. And you learn about the story of Mary and Martha and how as disciples, we need to work on, on being with Jesus, right? And today, we've got the, the great topic of forgiveness and forgiving, and again, as disciples, as Christians, we are people of forgiveness, right? And, and that changes us. That changes the world. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to pack that a little bit. But I want to start off with this. We asked that couch question, right? And I brought my couch cushion here. It's a little big. But uh, I tried to bring the whole couch, but it was early morning. My uh, wife and daughters were sleeping, and I don't want to wake them up to drag the couch from the upstairs. But, but if you think about this, you know, couch cushions... You've all cleaned out a couch, right? Or moved a couch before? And when you do so, you always find stuff, right? And we, we don't always clean out our couches as often as we probably should, the insides of them. But on the outside, they look great, right? But when you open them up, you find the pizza, you find the cats, uh, the remotes, right? All those kinds of things that you're like, man, that was a mess, Right? You find the stains, you find the, the things, the crumbs, all that kind of stuff. And, and I think sometimes as Christians, we're kind of like that, right? We're on the outside, we look great, but on the inside, we flip open, and underneath, we've got mess, right? We've got mess. And this is what this story today is, is going to talk about as we, as we look at this. And let's see, you can just put that right there, yeah. Um, and we're going to look at the story from the lens of, of the story that you just read, right? What we need to learn about this story is, is that um, Jesus is this ultimate compassionate kind of character that, that people weren't expecting. And so uh, let's, let's read some of this. We'll, we'll start this. Uh, start at verse 2. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, all right, Jesus, where all the people gathered around him, 
he's teaching them, and sat down to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us uh, to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. All right. Now, first we have to know what this law is, this Mosaic law, right? The Mosaic law comes from Deuteronomy 22.22, and it says this. It'll be up on the screen. Um, And it says this. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. Whew. That's, that's hardcore stuff right there, right? Um, now, my first question about this story is where's the man, right? They only bring the woman to Jesus, but where's the man? My guess is that he was probably some high-ranking official or something. They were trying to protect him. It was a very patriarchal society, so they were probably, you know, protecting the guy and bringing the woman here to Jesus to be judged and condemned, right? Not fair, but the way it was at that time, right? But also, um, what we learn is uh, you must purge the evil for Israel. What's the reasoning for this? Why, why should you kill someone for committing this act of adultery, right? Um, well, there's a, a couple reasons. The, the first is that um, when, when God created the, the Israelite community, he said, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be different from all the other communities out there, right? Different than all the other countries and nations out there. Um, and I want you to worship me and me alone, right? I am Yahweh. I am the, the God, uh, the true God, right? And there's a lot of idolatry. There's a lot of false um, kind of things that were going on. He says, I want to protect you from that, right? So I don't want you to marry foreigners because if you do so, you'll fall in the trap of idolatry and, and worshiping their gods. I want you to, to stay true within the, the people of Israel. And I also want you to, to stay true within um, the commandments that I've given to you, right? And one of those is adultery. We know that as the sixth commandment, right? Um, uh, and, and part of the reason why it's so important to God, uh, why marriage is so important to God, is that marriage is a testimony of God's faithfulness to us, right? That he chooses us, that he pursues us, that he never leaves us um, because he loves us and he's committed to us, right? We get that, that all over the, the New Testament, right? That, that the, the wedding of, of Jesus, the bridegroom, coming for the groom, the church. And one day he's going to come and fully realize that, and we're going to have a beautiful wedding um, in heaven for eternity, right? And, and so that's kind of that reasoning, why it's so, so serious and, and why uh, they do this. But, but we've got that. But we also have the Mosaic Law, which we just heard, and the Roman Law. And Jesus is kind of like, they're putting them in a pickle, right? Because they're saying, all right, either you uh, say that this woman is forgiven and that it's not that big a deal, right? And you can, you can you know, forgive her, and you're breaking the Mosaic Law, which, which they all knew, or you're breaking the Roman Law, which is saying, yeah, we need to put her to death because average people couldn't do that. Only the Roman government could put people to death at that time, right? Um, that we see that in Jesus' time, where the, where the Pharisees want to put Jesus to death. They have no power to do that. They have to hand him over to Pilate and all the other um, officials. And so Jesus, either way he goes, he's in trouble, right? And he knows that. But he also is Jesus, and he's, he's always got a third way. And that's what I love about Jesus. There's always a third way. It's not, it's not faith or works. It's faith and works. It's not law or the gospel. It's law and gospel, right? The same way. There's a third way here, and this is what Jesus is talking about. So um, uh, what does he do? And I love this. 
Jesus gets down on his knees and he starts drawing, drawing in the dirt. I tried to look up, like, what was he drawing? Like, are, do we have any pictures of this? Like, uh, is he drawing stick figures just trying to, to waste time? Uh, maybe he's um, writing some Bible verses that, that they might know and he's, you know, he knows the whole Bible, that kind of thing. Or, or this is probably my best guess, is maybe he's writing the names of the people in the crowd that are holding these stones ready to throw them at this woman. And maybe next to their names, he's writing their sins. You know, maybe it's Joe and lust. Maybe it's Billy and uh, greed. Maybe it's Bobby and um, uh, false witness and false testimony or gossip or, or those kinds of things, right? And they're kind of like, ooh, what's going on? And he knows something that he shouldn't know, right? And so we've got this, you know, what is he writing? We, we don't know. And then the Bible verse goes on, verse 7 says this. When they kept on questioning, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I love this. It's it's, it's brilliant, right? Because Jesus knows that there's nobody there that's perfect, right? Uh, Romans 3 tells us that um, there's not one who is righteous, no one, no one. Nobody's perfect except for the man who says that, Jesus, right? Um, we all have stains. We all have junk under our cushions, right? If we were to lift up our cushions and reveal those to the world, that could be very uh, telling, right? And I think sometimes we think when we come to church, we have to have it all together. But, but Jesus says, no, no, no. We need to come as we are. And, and this is what the church is all about, is we can truly be transparent and be free for who we are and hopefully not be judged and be, um, be transformed through, through the, the work of the people around us, which is, which is amazing. Um, and, and I think sometimes we even say, well, I've got less sin than that person over there, right? You know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery, I haven't cheated on my, my spouse, or um, I haven't done those bad things, right? But I want to tell you something, this. Uh, in James, James says this, if you've stumbled at even one point in the law, you're, committing a, you're guilty of committing and breaking all of it, right? Let me give you a little illustration example. I've got two bottles of water here, all right? So what if I took these two bottles of water and I took cyanide. Everybody know what cyanide is? Like this deadly poison, right? Uh, and I put, you know, half water, half cyanide in here. And I said, you want to drink this? What would you say? Yeah, no, no way, heck no, right? You knew it would be instant death. What if I said, all right, I'm just going to put a little couple drops of cyanide in this. And I said, here, you want to drink that? What would you say? Absolutely not, right? Because even that little bit could kill you. So that's the thing that Jesus is talking about here is that, yes, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of sin or just a little sin. We're all equal, and the wages of sin is death that we, we learn from Romans 2, right? That we're all guilty in that way. So um, I love this picture. Uh, Jesus also talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he says, uh, before you notice the speck or judge the speck in someone else's eye, take the log out of your eye. Like, is that, that's like almost a good dad joke right there, like good comedic, right? That he's like, ha, yeah. Um, but think about that. Like what Jesus is saying is that we need to judge ourselves first. 
Like, we need to get ourselves right with Jesus before we look at other people. And oftentimes, we've got a lot of mess, right? We've got a lot of stuff on the cushions, underneath the cushions, that we need to, to bring to Jesus, right? So, um, but I think this is a fascinating story, too, um, for the point that, um, that, that, you know, we think we have to have it all together. But, but think about this. This woman, probably 30 minutes ago, was engaging in this act, was caught, right, and was brought straight to Jesus here in the temple courts, all right? She didn't have time to get herself all, you know, dolled up or to, to put on her best face. We don't even have her saying anything in the story here, right? Um, she is at her worst, at her lowest, and yet Jesus, like, probably, I can imagine him looking her in the eye and, like, showing compassion for her, Right? She doesn't have some elaborate confession. She doesn't, you know, have some kind of, right? And Jesus sees her and, and sees compassion on her and sees her as someone who needs forgiveness, right? And that's, uh, that's so powerful. Um, she was not planning on her life changing in an instant. She was not planning on any of this. Um, and, and her having Jesus break into her life was so unexpected, Right? Some of you might be here because you were dragged here, right? Maybe your, your um, dad said, no, you really need to come. Or maybe um, you've had a friend that's been nagging you to come forever, right? Um, and, and you're like, oh. but I, I pray that Jesus would like break in your life like he did to this ladies and like, you know, would share his unbelievable compassion and grace and mercy in your life, right? Um, because it's better. It's a better life. And we're going to keep going and show this, right? Here's verse 9. It says this, At this, those who began to go away, um, one at a time, the older ones first, which they're probably a little bit wiser. They get it. They realize they're full of sin, right? Until only Jesus was left, and the woman was standing there. Jesus stood up, straightened up, and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And this is an important part here. In Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Jesus, there is no condemnation, right? I love this verse, John 3.16. We all know that verse, right? You've all heard this somewhere. You've seen it at a sports game or whatever, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life, right? But do you know the second verse right after that? John 3, 17? I think this is like my favorite more than this one, right? It says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I heard this great quote one time. It said um, that Jesus did not come to sanitize the world, but to save it. It's kind of the same, along the same lines. I love that, right? That he came to save the, the brokenness and the messiness and, and redeem it um, and justify every one of us, right? Think about this. This woman's couch cushions get flipped for everybody to see, but he shows compassions and compassion to her, and all of the naysayers, all the people that are going to speak against her are gone. That's the same for us, right? Nobody can hold anything against you because of what Jesus has done for us, right? They all leave. Everybody in your life. And, and here's the thing, too, is Satan now can say nothing against you, right? Uh, your own self, like we'd like to talk um, negatively in our own self-talk too, right? And Jesus said, none of that. I have overcome all of that um, through what I have done for you, right? But here's the thing. 
oftentimes, as human beings, I do it all the time, is that we return to that, right? We return to our past. We return to the junk under our cushions, and we say, yeah, I'm not lovable because of this mess. Jesus could never love me because of, of this. <sighs> Nobody else could love me. Uh, I, I, yeah, what's the point, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not it at all, right? That it's, it, there's no condemnation, right? And I think there's times where we have to remind ourselves, right? And this is why we come to church. This is why we read the word, is to remind us of those words that Jesus speaks over us, that there is no condemnation, and that the naysayers are gone, right? And it's only us and Jesus, because too often I think we listen to the voices of other people. We listen to the voices of Satan uh, circling in our minds, and we let that affect us and, and how we feel and how we um, act and, and give us our worth, right? Which is not the way it should be. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to have a better life. I want you to have a better life. Um, I, I, I love... And I can only imagine what happens after the story. I wish there was like a, a continuation, right? Uh, it ends with this, right? Go and sin no more. Go and leave your life of sin. And I can only imagine this, this woman leaving, going home, and her life is completely turned upside down, right? She's probably given up her scandalous life. She's going to tell more people about this guy Jesus she met and how her life was changed because of that. Um, I want to give you an interesting kind of fact is that oftentimes our lives are changed not by when people control us and give us a law, but when people give us grace and mercy, right? Think about that. Like, um, you know, you might know like parents out there that try to control their kids. How does that work, right? Or a boss. You might have a boss that sometimes likes to micromanage you. Does that work very well? Not really, right? You want to rebel against that. You want to, you know, but when you have someone that's compassionate and gives you grace and mercy and forgiveness, you're like, huh, that's refreshing, right? That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, we talk about these words mercy and grace all the time. Uh, I'll give you some quick definitions. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. This woman definitely did not get what she deserved, right? Which was death. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. For her, it was a second chance. We get these two. We get mercy. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get what our sins, you know, deserve for us. But we get grace too. We get God's love lavished upon us. And I love that mercy and grace concept. And I think it's really lived out um, in this, uh, this movie, this play, this musical called Les Mis, if you heard of this, right? Uh, if you haven't, I'll just give you a brief synopsis. Here's the, the beginning of this, is that um, there's this guy, he's committed crimes, he's um, kind of on this chain game, and he, he earns parole. And so he's given this ticket where he's got to show this to show he's a parolee, and he's free to go. And he goes, and he tries to get in hotels and get meals and People keep turning away because they see kind of this mark against them and they don't want to trust them. But there's this one priest that owns this like monastery and lets him in. And he feeds him. He gives a nice warm bed, all of this stuff. And he goes to bed and the, the uh, Jean Van Jean uh, goes to bed. That's his name. And uh, uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and kind of his sinful nature comes over him. And he had noticed before while he's eating all this fine 
silverware and china and, and candlesticks and all this, right? And so he, his sinful nature takes the best of them, and he starts loading them in a pillowcase. And he takes them, and he leaves, right? And as he leaves and he's out on the streets, the, the police catch him. And they say, where'd you get this? He said, oh, well, the priest over there, he, he gave them to me, right? And so they take him there. They wake up the priest, knock on his door, and, and the priest actually goes, yeah, 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 I gave those to him. And you forgot this, and he gives him more, right? So number one, he shows him mercy, but also shows him grace. He lavishes what he doesn't deserve, what he doesn't earn upon him. And the rest of the, the story goes on that he becomes a, a high-ranking official and he changes the lives of many, many people because he experienced grace and mercy, just like that woman in our story, right? Now the question comes, well, what does that mean for us? You've probably heard this phrase before, um, hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that before? Hurt people hurt people. Usually when somebody hurts you, you want to hurt other people because it's just kind of your nature and, and, and what you want to do. It's revenge kind of thing. But I want to offer this phrase, that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. That we know forgiveness um, and we're able to forgive because we first have been forgiven in our lives, right? Um, C.S. Lewis has a great quote, though. He says this, Everyone loves the concept of forgiveness until we've got someone to forgive, Right? You know what I mean? Like, we love forgiveness for ourselves, but for other people, eh, they don't deserve that, right? Uh, they've messed up too much. They've hurt me too much, right? Now, when we talk about forgiveness of other people, I'm not talking about, like, abusive relationships, those kind of things. Like, those, yeah, you need to get out. You can forgive, choose to forgive, but, but you don't have to um, uh, stay in the midst of that, right? I'll tell you a story. Um, I worked with... Um, uh, a boss one time, and he was just very um, abusive, very narcissistic, all this, and, and um, uh, really affected me. And at that point, I didn't really know, but I left that place, went to another place, and as I'm thinking of all the things that, that he said or did, oh, my blood just boiled, right? I was like, oh, and I, I just had this, like, intense kind of, like, Oh, like any time I thought about him or heard about him, those kinds of things. And um, I finally got to the point about a year and a half, two years later, where I was like, oh, I, need, I need to just let that go. I need, to, I need to forgive him. I need to move on, right? And there's a great quote that says, um, forgiveness is like letting someone out of prison and realizing that person was you, Right? Forgiveness is like letting someone out of prison and realizing that person in prison was you, right? Because oftentimes, uh, uh, when we hold on to things, like, it affects us more than it does um, affects that person who did it to us, right? So we can choose to forgive um, without uh, maybe reconciling or being friends with them again, but we can we do it, right, uh, to, to repair kind of our own mental state in that way, right? And that's really what it's about, right, is is reconciliation for the point of, of making the world a better place. And our world needs forgiveness, right? Man, just turn on the news, read the, the scrolling or whatever, and, and we've got so much out there. Um, especially because we've got this myth of redemptive violence. Have you heard this? The myth of redemptive violence in our world, right? If somebody does something to me, I'm going to do something back to you. And does that usually end it? No, right? Because then they're going to do something back to you, and then you're going to do something back to them, and it just keeps going and escalating and escalating and escalating until finally 
somebody dies or blows up or right there's just it's it's not a healthy thing and so jesus has the antidote here he says you know what the fix is forgiveness forgiveness and let me tell you forgiveness is really really hard uh it's not easy it's not easy but this is what's going to change our world and as disciples as we look into this red letter challenge this week as we look at forgiveness and forgiving that hopefully, as disciples, we will become better at this act. And I don't know who it is for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend or a past friend that you need to forgive. And I, I challenge you, what would that look like to, to work on forgiving them? Maybe, maybe you write them a letter. Maybe just write it in a journal and, and keep it between you and God. Uh, maybe just pray a little prayer, whatever that looks like. But who is something that, that you could forgive this week, right? Because I guarantee that, man, forgiveness changes the world just like that woman when our couch cushions are flipped up and you look at the junk and the mess that's underneath them, we realize there's nothing I can do about that. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And so just to, to close, uh, I imagine what it would look like Acts Church if we came together and we, we changed our community and if we chose to love out of forgiveness instead of out of our hurts, right? What would, imagine what it would look like if we chose to let go instead of hold grudges, right? And imagine if we chose to remind ourselves of Jesus' incredible mercy and grace instead of the lies of the enemy and the lies that go in our head every day. I think that our cushions would be flipped up and Jesus would say, I love you. I love you. I know this world's messy. I know that you're messy, but you are forgiven and you are loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you, um, you don't condemn, that you forgive, and that you free us to go live a changed, transformed life. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would enable us to do that, Lord, that we would be forgiving people, um, which is hard at times, but I pray that through the power of your Spirit that you would um, enable us to do that. Lord, thank you for all that you've given to us. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at actschurchleander.com.